It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. This episode is brought to you by La Quinta by Wyndham. Your work can take you all over the place, like Texas. You've never been, but it's going to be great because you're staying at La Quinta by Wyndham. Their free bright side breakfast will give you energy for the day ahead. And after, you can unwind using their free high-speed Wi-Fi. Tonight, La Quinta. Tomorrow, you shine. Book your stay today at LQ.com. All right, we are back on the Foot Track Podcast. Back to back days here. I'm Kevin. He's Gordon. Gordon, we got a YouTube channel that we need to plug here at the top of the show. I've been told tell the people what they need to know. They need to like and subscribe, right? That's what that's what these kids are saying these days. Smash that like button. Yeah, all of our podcasts on YouTube. You know where YouTube is. You just put it in your Google search, YouTube.com. Flowtrack podcast. We have two channels. We have the Flowtrack channel where we put up a lot of races, some other stuff, interviews. But there's a new channel called the Flowtrack podcast channel. And that's where we'll have the full episodes of every podcast, some clips from each podcast. Uh, yeah. So check it out. If you don't want to wa- still watch us on the site, though, you know, if you want to watch us on flowtrack.org, <laughs> you can still do that. But if you don't want to watch us on flowtrack.com slash dot org, head over to YouTube. Also, the audio version, Spotify, Stitcher, you get it. We're everywhere. We're just trying to spam the whole world with our two talking mm-hmm. heads. Uh, but, yeah, subscribe to the Flowtrack Podcast YouTube channel if you want to uh, enjoy this podcast via that medium. That's one thing. I used to listen to a lot of podcasts via YouTube. Like when Joe Rogan was only on YouTube, I would listen to Joe Rogan on YouTube. But now that he's not on YouTube, it's forcing me to go to Spotify. But we're not mm-hmm. forcing you to go anywhere. You can listen to us on YouTube, on the site, or audio anywhere else. So yeah, like and subscribe. All right, that I was a great. Piece. That was a great plug. That was a great plug. Yeah. Comment. You're supposed to do talk about comments though. People should comment on there. We got one from yesterday. Sebastian said, "Good stuff." Which, if you can oh. get a positive YouTube comment, that's a win. Previous iterations of comments about me on YouTube have included various negative things about my face. So good stuff. I will take it. We'll move forward, but we're also, we'll read comments from there too. If you have uh, things that you want to chime in about in the running world, someone also wrote a story on here in the comments about the time they were a seventh man. I mean, you really, you have a blank canvas on YouTube. You can just write as much as you want. I mean, you can email us as well, flowtrackpodcast at gmail.com. But if you want to just do it in the YouTube comments for everybody to see, like and then preface it with Gordon isn't man enough to read this and then post it. Maybe Gordon would read it. Maybe That's he'll read true. it because he'll feel challenged. 
That's very true. I uh, am not man enough to read a lot of comments, but if you if you call me out, maybe I'll read it. Anyway, <laughs> okay, let's get to the show. Back to back days, as I mentioned, we covered a lot of ground yesterday between collegiate cross country, professional indoor track, collegiate indoor track, but there's some news that we wanted to get to today and some uh, races we wanted to preview. And we just found out about this one that's taking place on Friday. Gordon, you've already combed through the start list of a meet in Tallahassee, which features Stanford, Colorado, and Iowa State, among other teams. What are the big things people should know about this meet that's happening on a Friday? Yeah, it's basically another similar type meet as this, as the Nevada meet. Um, maybe a little less firepower up top with there's no NAU or BYU, but names wise, there are still a lot of good teams. You have Colorado, you have uh, Iowa State, you have Stanford, Syracuse, Utah State, Southern Utah, um, a few other uh, strong teams, like some teams with some good individuals. Um, I think Alabama sending Mercy Chilangot, maybe, or Esther mm. Kitai. So we got some great names, uh, Oklahoma State women, Notre Dame women. Uh, it's going to be a good good meet, and I think it's going to be an important meet for a lot of these teams who may not have a top-tier finish in their conference to get points in order to qualify for nationals. Because I know we kind of forgotten about this, but there is no regionals this year for cross-country. Uh, and a lot of these yeah, when teams, you say points, what do you mean? When you say points, you don't win, mean actual points. Not only say actual points, I mean just wins on your resume uh, so mm -hmm. that when a committee looks at what you did in your cross-country season all the way back from the fall to now, if you got fourth in your conference, did you do something outside of your conference that makes it worth sending you as well? You know, there are teams – I think if you win a Power 5 conference, you probably are a lock, but outside of that – you're going to have to have some resumes of like of good wins over other teams that are planning on making the meet. It's going to be weird. Mm -hmm. I'm excited to kind of try to predict what the committee's going to do. I think as we get closer to March, we should do our own little podcast where we say here are the 31 teams we think should go to nationals. Um, obviously, there's teams that are going no matter what, like the Stanfords, the Oregons, and NAUs, BYUs, but it's that – Second tier from 15 to 30 that I feel like is the where the real interesting dynamics unfold. And, again, limited meets. But now that we had this Nevada meet and this meet here coming up on Friday, the FSU Winter Classic, there's going to be another Nevada meet in two weeks. I think Oregon's putting on a meet also this Friday. We're getting some of these, you know, Wisco-esque type meets, these pre-nat-esque type meets that will be really helpful – to fill out the field outside of just who does well at their conference. So I'm yeah. looking at the start list and I'm using it as just a way to pare down who's going to be running this year as an indication of, okay, because sometimes you don't see people and you find out later that, that they're injured. And under that standard, Stanford women looking pretty good based on who they have on the start list. Gordon, you're just running through it. Okay, of course they have Donahue there. They have Lawson. They have Oaks. They have Julia Haymock, Sophia Dudek is also listed there as well. Aubrey Roberts, who was at Northwestern previously and is a very, very accomplished runner at the NCAA level. If all of them are healthy, 
and all of them are fit and we'll find out in, in two days the level of their fitness. You can see why Stanford is one of the favorites for this meet. Interested to see Wesley Kipp too, coming back after his uh, his first collegiate loss of his short, well, his first NCAA D1 loss over the over the 3K to to some Oregon guys. Now he's back in in an 8,000 on the on the cross country course. So I'm excited to see that as well too. But to me, the, the Stanford women are the big story. We had just talked to yesterday about how I think I just posted the clip too about how the women's race is just so wide open because we have no idea who's doing what, who's in shape, but Stanford can answer a lot of those questions with this one, with this one race. We know the podium is wide open, but maybe, maybe they're going to assert themselves as the title favorite on Friday in, in Tallahassee, but we'll wait and see. Yeah. And also Stanford men uh, get to see the debut of Cole Sprout, freshman from Stanford. Um, see how he does. I'm excited to see. It's just a lot of like excitement around seeing like more than I mean more than just NAU and BYU. You know, a lot of times we kind of we kind of zoom in only on that little matchup, but we got to realize like there's 30 teams, there's other great storylines, there's other great athletes, and uh, I'm excited to see the Syracuse's, the Stanford's all compete. And it's weird, right? Uh, we're gonna see. Wesley Kiptu tried to win a cross country meet after just running a 748 3K <laughs> a week or prior. Yeah, yeah. It's just so weird. Yeah. A lot of shoe changes this year for people. Yeah. You got to have your, your cross country spikes, your track spikes. Did you want to talk about that a preliminary ranking thing that you sent me yesterday via text? Or do you not want to talk about that? Which one? The, for indoor or for cross country? For. Indoor, following up on my statement yesterday that I thought Oregon, the Oregon men had asserted themselves as favorites, and you sent me something yesterday. I guess now you have to say it because I've talked about it. I should never start a conversation point with, do you want to read, do you want to read this private text that you sent me on the air? Is that something you want to do? Does that sound like fun? Uh, yeah, sure. I'll read the private text message I sent to you on the air. It's totally normal. Um, but uh, so we'll have – updated indoor rankings coming up either later today or on Thursday. Um, so check out the site for that. But I started going through, on, at least on the men's side, and the Oregon men are the best team in the country by a lot. Not even close. They have a chance to score over 70 points in a, in a championship meet where we think 40 is going what it's going to take to win. We have them scoring probably about 70-plus. The next team would probably be like an LSU or Florida State, and they're in the low 40s, high 30s. Yeah, Oregon men. I think they made a good call. They have great distance runners in Cooper Tier, <laughs> Cole Hawker, and Charlie Hunter, but I don't think they have enough to really compete against an NAU or BYU at the cross-country landscape. But now mm -hmm. I think they just find their niche and they've realized, hey, do we want to go all in on cross country and at best get fourth? Or do we want to go all in on indoor and win? And I think Robert Johnson decided to make the call and be like, hey, go all in on indoor and get that win. Well, even if NAU and BYU and everybody else in the distance scene was showing up to indoors, 
Oregon would be in a strong position because they just broke the collegiate record in the DMR. They just had two guys go sub 750 in the 3000. They just had a guy run 354 in the mile on the distance side. So they were going to get points indoors regardless. And I think this moved them from one of the teams that could win it to your right, clear favorite. When you sent me that number in the high 60s, that exceeded what I thought was possible because we were talking about, oh yeah, you know, mid 40s could, could win it. So if you're talking about a score in the 60s, that gives them plenty of margin for error. I assume you have like, like Hunter with 10 points in the mile, Tier and 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 no. Hawker. No, you I don't. I have Hunter getting second, second or third. Okay, so you're so you're being conservative with this the 67 yeah. point projection too. Okay, so that just goes to show you the strength. And the next best team is is down there in the 40s, correct? Yeah, I mean Oregon. They have a good 800 meter in Lewis Peralta. They have a, they have two good milers in Hunter and Brown. They have a uh, two good 5K runners in Messler and Tier. They have two good 3K runners in Hawker and Tier. Good DMR. They have a really good sprinter. They have a really good triple jumper, and they have a good heptathlete. That's a lot. That's a lot of good. Yeah. So. That analysis was brought to you by Gordon. Women's side of things, well, you'll release that tomorrow, correct? Yeah, we'll that one's tomorrow. probably a little yeah. more. Yeah, that one's a little more murky at this point. Uh, yeah, I, I, I got to admit that kind of snuck up on me. It was almost like one weekend. They went to Fayetteville in one weekend and then just dropped big performance after big performance. And then you combine that with what we learned on Monday about – Nagus not running indoors, NAU probably not, BYU probably not, and then the just the seas parted for for the Oregon men there to move into the the top spot. Uh, while we're at it, while we're at just like reading people's uh, communications, you wanted to talk about JoJo's tweets. Now is that next up on the rundown here? <laughs> sure. Yeah. Uh, well, it wasn't her tweet. She just screenshotting uh, the report about what happened at the American Track League this past weekend. As you know, Raven Rogers and Donovan Brazier did not run, not because they had COVID, but due to contact tracing of someone who had COVID. Mm -hmm. And in like, I think a lot of times you can think about it like, oh, okay, well, they missed that meet. Who cares? It's a random meet in February, a random indoor meet. I don't think Donovan's going to lose sleep over not being able to run a 600 right now. But... If that were to happen during the trials, I think all hell would break loose. I, I think we sometimes forget that if these type of situations, and you see it in the NBA and in, in the NFL, I mean, in football, they had to play without a quarterback. They played with like a wide receiver, a quarterback, the Denver Broncos, right? There's been times when a head coach couldn't play a playoff game. All these different things happening. Basketball teams are, you know, super – diluted due to COVID and all that stuff. And sometimes in basketball, they cancel the game because they don't have enough players. But yeah. here's the thing. They're not going to cancel the race because Donovan Brazier can't be there, which would be wild. Like, imagine if someone that Brazier's stature, status, can't be there. We're going to be like, we're kidding? We're not going to let the best runner in the world represent Team USA? Mm -hmm. You know? And – it's just going to be two sides of this. There's going to be situations where a star doesn't get to be in it. That's going to be wild. And then because of that, that person who would have gotten fourth, all of a sudden is getting third, and now it changes 
the lifelong trajectory of an athlete because they can call themselves an Olympian. There could be situations where the heats line up a certain way and you could be in one of the death heats, right? You're like, oh, there's no way I'm getting out of this heat. But then COVID can make a death heat become an easy heat. And therefore, you move on to the next round. And before you know it, you're making the Olympic team. And I think a lot of this kind of reminds me of like the Charles Jock journey from 2016. If you remember that 800 rounds, so many wild things happened. First wild thing, Donovan Brazier being a rookie gets knocked out in the first round. That's not normal. Mm -hmm. Dwayne Solomon, who was healthy, just accidentally jogged at the end yeah, and yeah. gets nipped at the line and gets knocked out. Then there were situations where Craig Angles was running like a maniac and like there was – he was like disqualifying people. There's just like different things with the, between him and Shaquille Walk Shaquille Walker, where certain mm -hmm. people advance and didn't advance because of I think they had to run a final with like nine people because of it. I don't remember exactly, but there was just all this chaos, and throughout all that chaos, Charles Jock made it through the rounds. Like I think Jock only made it through the first round because of Dwayne Solomon pulling up early. The man who ended up making the Olympic team would have easily been eliminated in the first round if it wasn't for Dwayne Solomon doing a mental mistake. Now take all that chaos and add in contact tracing. Yeah, We could see the, the weirdest 800-meter team of all time. Now hopefully that doesn't happen because we want our best three on that day to make it. And it would be really a shame if an outside force causes us to have a weird Olympic team. Mm -hmm. Um but it's something that we have to start thinking about, maybe start being in fear of and try to find a way to come up with a policy that doesn't allow this to happen. I mean, we were talking about this before the podcast started. Like, what if there's, you know, some kid who is the 48th best miler, right? And he just got in because he ran a 338 and he's the 48th best on the descending order list. He's not making the Olympic team. He's just there because it's cool to make the trials. He goes and runs the first round, you know, gets dead last in his heat and calls it a day. Well, he also happened to sit in the waiting room or the paddock area for like a long time, probably exposing himself to other people. And therefore, what if he comes back, test positive, and then everyone in that heat is contact traced and like the entire heat is wiped out. Now, I don't think they'll do that because I'll be like, the most ridiculous thing, but anything in that world is a possibility depending on how strict they take contact tracing, how strict it, the whole thing is, right? So it's something to think about, and I'm sure USOC and USATF are trying to figure out how can we ensure that we don't let COVID, COVID skew our trials selection process. Because One thing we other countries, they just pick the best three. We actually have yeah. to have an event to pick the best best three. Yeah, like COVID doesn't affect a selection, but COVID does select affect a race. So. Well, and a similar thing we assume could happen at the Olympics. Yeah, and and so they need to get this right in really on two occasions: Olympic trials and the Olympics. If you're an American athlete, the other thing you and I were discussing before we were recording was okay maybe a lot of these favorites, these big name athletes are just going to put themselves or their, their groups in bubbles and try to minimize 
any sort of outside contact. But the situation that you brought up makes that irrelevant. It's you have to have this is just like with with other sports. You have to have everybody in or it doesn't make any sense at all. But the amount of people involved in an Olympic trials is massive from the athletes, the coaches, the trainers, the officials, the volunteers, the people carrying the athletes clothes back and forth. So to put all of them in a bubble would be a Herculean task. But then on the flip side, I don't know how else you would do it and have any sort of assurance that you're going to get through the meet without any sort of incidents. Now it's still what four or five months away, four and a half months away. Maybe by that point we'll be, they'll have a different way to respond. Like the sports world will figure out a different way to respond to issues like this. I think NCAAs will be an interesting test here coming up in, in six weeks with cross and indoors, because that's, a bunch of different teams coming from a bunch of different places where they're mingling with with a bunch of you know different uh, people at the university, or even the Super Bowl coming up this weekend. You know we haven't heard anything yet, but the, the nightmare scenario you propose would just it'd be the equivalent to Patrick Mahomes on Friday night being contact traced out of the Super Bowl, or Tom Brady being top contact traced out of the Super Bowl. You can't you can't redo that. They're not going to postpone the Super Bowl just in the same way they're not going to postpone the Olympic trials. I don't want to be afraid of it though, because I'm afraid of enough things right now. I want to live in in this blissful ignorance of it. But I don't know how you do it other than you just come you have a you completely change the policy or you you figure out some way to get every single person that's going to come in contact with these athletes into a bubble a week ahead of time and just do a rigorous training pro, uh, testing process and boot people in the same way they booted people from the NBA when they got takeout delivered. Like that's probably the only way you'd have a hundred percent certainty that this would go off down a hitch. There is not enough financial backing in the sport of track right. and field to pull off right. a bubble. They're not going to do that. They don't have the money right. to do what the NBA did or what other major sports franchise do. I do think what they should do is just, do a test in the beginning, like a little far, like, and just be like, once you're clear, you're clear, and we'll just have the event happen. And at the very end, people may be positive, and we just turn a blind eye. Because I feel like if they're trying to test every, like, before and after every single race, you're going to end mm -hmm. up kicking people out of the race. But if you just test in the beginning, have the race, and then see what happens. Yeah. Like, well, that it's tough too. It's tough too because there's just a like a lot of the contact tracing stuff is self-reported, correct? If your parent you you went to dinner with your parent before the night of the semifinals, yeah. Right? Does you're not telling them the governing the governing body doesn't? Well, the the incentive is not to tell them because the governing body doesn't necessarily know that if you're outside yeah. of a bubble they are going to proceed as if you are fine. And then there's no incentive for you to report that you had contact with someone who tested positive. So it's just a massive headache all around. I don't know. I don't know how you, I understand why now it's becoming clearer and clearer, like why the NBA obviously did what they did right They're on the tight time frame, and they couldn't miss any games when they did it before. And they needed to have 99% certainty 
And the only way you do it is if you just say, you can't go past this point. <laughs> it's not allowed. You can't go past this point. And here are all the rules. And if you don't follow the rules, you know, you can opt out because everything else leaves open the possibility of an, of a nightmare type scenario that you're describing where a key athlete is, is missing and they're not going to run the, it's not a team sport. You can't go ahead and just play the game without that one running back or that one wide receiver. They're, yeah. they're going to run the race and this athlete's not going to be there. This is my fear though. We would like us and the, the people who follow this podcast and people who are really glued into the, the pulse of the sport, they would freak out if someone like Noah Lyles or uh, Allison Felix or Donovan Brazier or Sin mm -hmm. McLaughlin aren't able to compete, right? Okay, they're, they're in shape, but they get pulled after the second round and it's whatever. We'd be like, this is then the world, right? But at the same time, I feel like there will be people or just like They'll be like, whatever, we're still have the Olympics are still happening. Like, I feel like we are more attached to the people behind the jersey than a majority of people who just look at the front of the jersey. Like, mm -hmm. when we watch the Olympics, we're watching Donovan Brazier. When a majority mm -hmm. of people watch the Olympics, they're watching a USA athlete. And yeah. I think because of that, the the chaos of the person wearing the jersey not being Donovan Brazier to a majority of people isn't that big of a deal. To us, it's a huge deal, but to, like, the the sport goes on, right? I mean, Kenny Harrison was a world record holder, didn't go to the Olympics. So, yeah. and yeah, yeah. It, people moved on, right? Chris, Christian Coleman's not going to be there. People are moving on, right? Yeah. So, I think... They might have the eye like, hey, that's just part of the game. Like, yeah, who cares? We didn't send Davin Brazier. I, I like yeah. how we're using Davin Brazier as our, our example. We're just picking him because he's the best. So it's a very good compliment that we are projecting doomsday <laughs> scenario on your career. Uh, just let me know. We don't want it to happen to anyone, especially not Davin. No, no. But we're just using him as no. a as an argument point. I did see that the swimming trials start a few days before the track trials. And I maybe maybe the USAC comes out with bl a blanket policy that says this is how we're going to deal with this for all of our sports. I guess you would hope that they would do that, and you'd also hope that there's enough other events prior to that where people can use the information from that as a way to make the best decision moving forward. Because the the flip side, I get your testing thing where you're saying just once at the beginning, once at the end. But I mean, the other, the other side of that is what if an infected person is in there and does then get like seven people in the 200 meter final, which is at the end of the meet infected, and then they're, ha they're having to scratch or like, like there, there's that side of it too, right? Which is the McWalla thing with the norovirus. It was like spreading throughout the, 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 the competitors, if I'm remembering correctly, like it was multiple people. Uh, who are coming down with it. Like that would be the other side of it too. With a meet that long and that many people mixing with different teammates, running different events, it wouldn't take long um, for it to go bad in that direction as well too, which fingers crossed that does not happen. I think they might do a thing where 
you have to take a test every time you start a new event. So say you're just there for the 200, you have to do a yeah. test before your 200 and then that's it. You don't need to do one after. But if say you're doing a double, like a, a 5K, 10K, you have to do one before the 5K and say you go on and finish the 5K. And, but then if you want to enter the 10K, you have to do another test before the 10K. So like, and this allows people to be like, it, it just makes it so you don't stay. I think that just, you do a test before every new event that you enter. Here's another thing they might do. We talked about limiting the field size for the Olympics, field sizes for the Olympics. I wonder if that's something they're discussing for the trials, having the events. Well, you cut the events in half and then maybe you can do, maybe you can do a bubble. I mean, it's still tough with all the officials and meat personnel that they would come in contact with, but maybe if you cut it by 50%, you could do it because the alternative is you run the first rounds like a week a week earlier, two weeks earlier, then eliminate a whole bunch of people. And then you have your select group that for is, finals. finals. Exactly. Yeah. But, 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 but you need to keep them completely separate. That seems not feasible in any way, shape or form, uh, but I could see them saying, okay, you know, this field size, it was 36. Now it's down to 18. I guess 18 yeah. doesn't work out. I think numbers, they're going to do what NCA does and spread the events out more, right? So there's just yeah. less people in the waiting room, like just have all the women's events in the first half, all the men's events in the second half. And what you would normally, instead of doing six events in an hour, you're only doing three events in an hour. So everything's spread out. People were just wearing the masks in the, in the waiting room. Yeah. Uh, I think the main thing is just that like, an asymptomatic positive test is just going to skew everything. And it just, it just sucks. I don't want that to happen. You know, yeah. We, need, we should, no, that, but, I think they need to pull the but, alarm and just do a garden clash. Everyone just runs their Olympic event in their garden. They live stream it on Facebook. And then we just pick the best results. And not me and you will be the judges. We pick and the, we the best just garden. Select, we pick the best garden. Well, and we select the team. The odds of them with that many athletes and that many support personnel there, the odds of there being a positive test throughout the the 10 days is extremely high. Just yeah. if you took a sample, a ran- because if you just took a random sample of the population, it would be extremely high. It doesn't even have anything to do with the track meet going on. Even with people being careful, it's going to be really difficult. My hope is, yeah, we're just in a different spot right then. And again, there'll be other sporting events between now and then, because we've seen how different sports have handled this differently and people have evolved and their understanding of it and how best to to manage. Um, I think a, in the short term, the biggest the biggest concern would be the NCAA championships coming up. That I think but would that, be a bigger concern. But here's what's going to happen: you can see top all, runners getting contact traced out. No, I think the top runners will test negative before the meet goes, and then they don't have to worry about it, and then it's over. Like. They're not going to retest them on Friday night. They're just going to be like, oh, "You're good to go. Do your two, do your forty-eight hours of running, flocking in the in the indoor facility, and then you're done." Yeah. And if you, like, I don't yeah, think it's they're going to pull anyone out from the as, final. Oh, I know. I'm so talking about before. Point. I'm talking about the week before. I'm talking about the week before because they're college kids and they're around a lot of other kids, and you can take all the precautions. You can, you can, 
tell people to be cautious, but them doing it is a whole other thing. And again, it's a it's a large group of athletes. I agree. I don't think it's going to be a – it's not going to be like the Olympic trials where there's a mid-meet issue. I'm talking about in the run-up, in the run-up, those few days before yeah, well, when they have to report. We might we might hear about some teams' key runners having to miss because of not, – not even themselves testing positive, but getting contact traced out because of a friend or a boyfriend or a girlfriend or something. Yeah, but it's one thing to tell – a college kid to social distance, he's gonna be like, "Screw that! I'm gonna do what I want." It's another thing to tell a college kid if you don't social distance, you don't get to go to the thing that you care about most in life. Like they'll be like, "I think a lot of these college kids are willing to like not talk to their girlfriend or boyfriend, are willing to just lock themselves in an apartment for the sake of being able to have an opportunity to run at the yeah. NCAA championship." Like it's there's definitely a reward to following protocol for a collegiate athlete than than anything else yeah. like there's no reward for a frack boy or, or a sorority girl to be like to follow protocol because she's like who cares if i get yeah. sick but if, if it says hey you won't be able to go to the thing you care most about i think they're going to care and i think a lot of these college kids are going to be like especially as they get closer they're going to be like hey i want to run i feel like i'm in my best shape of my life i want to be yeah. able to win a national title and i don't I think I can with go going out to dinner one time for the sake of the goal in March. So I actually think there won't right. be that many star athletes that, you know, pop out because they're going to be so they, – they're going to want to not test that positive. Yeah. yeah. That's right. No, I hope you're right. I hope you're right. But we've seen it already happen with, with some teams. And maybe it will be different because it will be around a much more consequential meet. But we've already seen yeah. people – um and and teams miss competitions this year because it's again it's just a numbers thing 300 women's athletes 300 men's athletes the numbers the numbers are not in your favor now if it's just a random team's seventh runner it's not going to get any attention it's it's going to be if it's a you know a podium type team or an individual contender that people will will take note but yeah knock on wood that doesn't happen at all man when we get to next this time next year when hopefully this is behind us we're gonna have to figure out how to fill the time in the podcast that we've devoted since march to covid it's it's gonna be great we're gonna talk about i don't know what we'll talk about but we'll talk about something else maybe we'll talk about more indoor high jump because uh we had a big jump gordon and i know uh this got your attention yaroslava mahuchek only 19 19 years old 2.06 Yesterday, in a high jump competition, ties number three all time. Indoor world record two point oh nine, and then the outdoor world, or sorry, two point oh eight indoors. Outdoors, it's two point oh nine. So she's right there. We could see a, we could see an outdoor world record fall this year. That's exciting. If if I was standing straight up and down, she would have been able to jump over my head. That's insane. Yeah. Yeah. What other? I could actually have like a top hat on, and she'd still jump over me. Yeah. So you have. So you have obviously Mondo doing what Mondo's doing in the pole vault. You have Krauser threatening twenty three meters, and in the process will be threatening the world record in the shot put. You of course have Dalil Muhammad, the world record holder in the four hundred hurdles. Racing again this year, Sydney, just behind her, as well. 
what other records do you think are world records are under threat this year? Do you have one you're having to have an eye on? For, men's four meter hurdles, of course, gets a lot of attention. You know, women's steeple. Is there another one that you're looking at? I think the men's 5K and 10K. No, I'm just kidding. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. I actually think there's Women's not going to be a lot of – I feel like there's not going to be a lot of distance world records or, like, distance – like, I feel like 1,500 to 10K are going to be kind of, like, we're just focused on being race sharp and not, mm-hmm. like, all-time great sharp. Yeah. I feel like the reason why we got all the 5K and 10K and all these big – world record performances was because there was no incentive to be ready for a race. The incentive yeah. was just be ready for a time trial. So I think all the records are going to be in the 800 and down. Like I even think the 1500, we're not going to see anything. I think 800 and down is where we'll see records. Uh, that was my bold prediction was chariot yeah. wins in Monaco and breaks the world record. And then you had Ingebrigtsen and upsetting chariot in Tokyo Ooh, yeah. at the Olympics as the world record. Or- yeah, I mean, the, there were a lot last year, if you think about it, between Mondo, the 5K, the 10K, the women's 5,000. There was a lot that was happening last year for a year with such few opportunities to raise. The hour mar- the hour run that Mo Farah Who broke. could forget? Who, Who could, could forget? forget the great Saf- hour run. And Safan Hassan as well, too. Well, the women's half. The men's half. There were a lot. Now that I, yeah, that was a bad question. I set up the segment for. I mean, it's just it's yeah. more like what record isn't in danger. Um, do you have any speaking other? Of the men's half, speaking of the half marathon, the rack half marathon was canceled. I saw that. Yeah, in Saudi Arabia, which had a really good field, field as well too. So we'll have to wait. Although I got to admit, as much as I wanted to see the people run it back, the Valencia half was really good. And yeah, I'm not a guy who gets overly excited about half marathons. So if something had to be canceled, I'd prefer it be a half marathon than a marathon or a track championship or a cross country championship at this point in my life. Yeah, we, had we saw the evolution. At Kibwak Candy, Jacob Kiblimo, Jeffrey Kimura, Helen O'Berry, Perez, Jep, Chir Chir. Mm. Or Jake. That was everybody. It had everyone. Yeah. But now it has no one. Man, we could have – if they didn't cancel, we almost would have had to bring bring Lincoln back to do a road race Ooh. preview because I know you don't like to do those. We would have had to give him a call, see if he answers the phone, and can talk up some Kibbewatt candy because he's a, he's a big Kibbewatt candy fan. Lincoln's been, uh, Lincoln's been uh, ghosting us lately on our group text. What's with that? I'm disappointed. He leaves he Flojack us, and all of a sudden can't talk to us. He did send us something. Uh, I don't. We probably didn't respond to it though, and maybe that was the wrong message that we sent. Um, also, while we're talking about YouTube here, do you want to talk about what else people can find on YouTube, Gordon, from Monday, perhaps? Oh, yeah. If you guys want to watch the uh, the Nico Young race and all the other five races that happened at Nevada, they're on the YouTube channel. You can watch them there. Uh, Great race. It's a full race. I sat on the back of the cart, got a clock mm-hmm. going, uh, show the mile split, 3K split, 5K split. It's actually, when you look at the results, you see Nico lose by two seconds. Nico, yeah, I mean, watch the race back, but ne- the entire time I thought Nico was going to win. And it was, 
is weird. You wouldn't. It was. I thought that Connor would control the race, but Nico controlled the entire race. Watch it for mm. yourself on the YouTube channel. Uh, it it was a very interesting experience. Luis Grijalva was sitting in the cart with me while we were filming it, mm-hmm. and I looked at him, and he's like, he just like looked at me and smiled. I mean, I didn't. I thought he smiled because he had a mask on, but his <laughs> eyes like, moved in a certain way that made it assume he was smiling. Uh, yeah. But yeah, uh, it's a great race. Watch it. The women's race is up there. Yeah. Enjoy all the races. getting all, six. all the races. Yeah. Well, no, the other and, four are on flow track. Oh, okay. The other four are on flow track. The yeah, two yeah. main races are on YouTube. And on that YouTube race, Gordon explains why it wasn't live for everybody who wanted to know. There were people who thought, man, Just, I'm, I'm sorry, but like we never said this was a live event. I don't know where people figured that out, but the word live was never written anywhere. Uh, yeah, we we didn't we weren't planning on going live. We were just going to get their races and interviews. So hopefully you mm-hmm. like it. You know, it's better it than nothing, demand. right? It's on yeah, demand. It's on demand. Yeah. And we might we do the do. same thing for the next Nevada meet. On demand. Yeah. Yeah. I was I was giving you a hard time there, Gordon, because I know you're reading the it's comments right. there. It's yeah. okay. People were upset um, it wasn't live. <laughs> Sorry. I wanted to talk about the mask thing as it pertains to doing interviews because you can't see their face and that does make it kind of tricky. Because when you ask a question, you don't see, hey, are they are they smiling at this question? Do they hate this question? I mean, they can't see me either. So I guess that's good. Everybody has their poker face on. You're right that you go by the eyes, I think. When when you see when you see that, you're like, okay, well, they're reacting the in some sort of yeah. way. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know what way they're reacting, but they're reacting in some sort of way. The one thing that bothers me most about the masks is when people are chewing gum behind a mm. mask. Is it literally okay. looks like they're eating like a horse trough of food? Like it looks like they're like a pig eating food inside their mask because their mouth, their mouth is moving and the mat. It's just like, what are you doing inside of that thing? It's just like really yeah, stupid. yeah. But they I'm that. looking, I'm looking at the schedule for this FSU meet on Friday. Those races are going to wrap by the time we start, so we'll be able to do a recap of those races, or at least the results. So that's exciting for Friday's show. 8 a.m. Yeah. Central is the first one, and then the women's is at 8.30, so it's going to finish right before. Give us a name, like a deep, 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 deep cut here of somebody who could surprise people on Friday at these races. James Segura, Eastern Kentucky. That's, okay. It's a deep name. He hasn't run in like three, three years. He's really good. Okay. Yeah. You All want right. a deeper I'll name? A, no. Yeah, go one level deeper. One level deeper. I found one guy. Yeah. I'll give you mine first. You ready? Oh, no. I want to go. Ready? Okay, you go. Okay. Number 442 on this list. Little guy by the name of Festus Legat. Keep an eye on him. Yeah, come on. I have two more. I have, I, have, I was serious. One. It's my guy. Adrian Wildshut from Florida State. The Coastal Carolina okay. transfer. South African. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. See what he does. Number two. I'm excited to see what Jace Ashbrenner does for Colorado. True freshman. Okay. Do you know who Jace yeah, Ashbrenner yeah. is? Went to high school with Nico Young. Yeah. Hey, it might be in the genes. I'm not sure that's how it works. I don't think you're not related to people in high school. With, but I if he not. was, he might be really fast. You never know. I'm excited to see what his uh, former high school teammate does for Colorado. Yeah. I mean, Wetmore, he's going to get him ready to go. 
So why not? Yeah, the, I'm interested to see the Colorado women too. A lot of names you recognize there. I'm wondering if they they can put it put it together this year. In terms of the all name team, Syracuse men just running away with it again with the Joe oh, okay. Dragon, the Joe Dragon JP Trojan one two punch is is really hard to overcome. You also have I think Aiden Tooker is kind of a cool name. Um, Dominic Hockenberry, like even their three and four guys are pretty strong there. But when you have a Trojan Dragon one two, that's hard to overcome. I mean Matthew Scrape. Mm-hmm. Okay. Silas Durfell. Mm-hmm. Uh, imagine if Dragon and Trojan ran for office. What what would be a better ticket? The the Dragon Trojan ticket or the Trojan Dragon ticket? Yeah. Definitely the Trojan Dragon ticket, right? Yeah, yeah. Well imagine if you went to USC too. It'd be Ooh. it'd be pretty wild. Yeah. I mean I, I your favorite name in the NCAA I know is still Tom Brady for Michigan. Nah. That's 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 what gets you. Or, hey, I knew about Tom not, Brady a whole year ago. Everyone like I mean, our boy John Golf finding out that Tom Brady ran for Michigan. But Tom Brady ran yeah. for Michigan back in twenty nineteen and he he ran – I actually thought it might have been him. I'm not even kidding because he ran like unattached for Michigan in a cross-country yeah. meet in 2019 at like a Michigan home meet. And I think Tom Brady <laughs> was in Michigan for yeah. like an alumni event, mm. like for like a football game. So it's like it could have potentially have been Tom Brady finishing 16th in this random 5K, but yeah. it wasn't. It was a different Tom Brady. Can neither confirm nor deny that. Yeah, take it easy on John. The Patriots haven't had the best year, so I think he's just nostalgic for for Brady to come back, and that's what made him made him excited there. Okay, we'll leave it who there. Want, who do you want to win a Super Bowl? Chiefs, of course. Chiefs. Or the Buccaneers. Yeah, you're being a contrarian. My son is a is a big Mahomes fan. He's only five years old. Doesn't know the rules of football at all, but he, he watched the. He watched the conference championships, and he's like that guy. He's like that guy. His hair is his hair is similar to Mahomes, and he liked that his hair looked like Mahomes. And then I showed him a a minute and a half Mahomes highlight where it was the ten best plays of Mahomes's season, and he thought it was just the coolest thing. Explaining football to a five year old is super hard. The concept of <laughs> downs, the concept of touchdowns. He thought if the ball just goes in the end zone, it's a touchdown. So if someone threw it out of the back of the end zone, he would scream, touchdown! I'm like, no, they need to catch it and then run through it. Extra points make no sense. Kickoffs are kind of weird. I can understand where if you didn't grow up in the United States, you just never know the rules of football and you have you don't have any desire to learn either. It's very complicated. Did, did you watch the uh, Nickelodeon uh, game that was a playoff no. game for the Saints? No, I didn't. Bears? No, I thought so that was weird. Nickelode- yeah, Nickelodeon hosted a, a playoff game, and they had, like, graphics, and it was fun. People liked it, right, because it was interesting. And I was listening to a podcast with uh, the one the play-by-play guys from the Nickelodeon game. Um, mm-hmm. I, forget, I forget his name. But it, it was, like, an NFL player who was doing play-by-play. And he's like, yeah, it was a big success. And he's like, I really think they need to do Nickelodeon games for other sports. And he talked about how, how would Nickelodeon cover uh, an Olympic track and field event. And like, imagine oh, if those okay. like slime graphics in the triple jump pit, or like, you know, just different 
googly eyes on like Usain Bolt. And I, I was kind of thinking about it. Like, that would be kind of cool if there was like slime cannons that went off at the bell lap instead of like the starter's gun and, you know, stuff like that. I think that'd be kind of cool. Yeah. I just thought it was interesting because aren't you pretty young to get hooked into that? Like, like a 13 year old doesn't think Nickelodeon's cool, right? Like a 13 year old still is too old for Nickelodeon and slime. So are you trying to like get like six and seven year olds to be into football? Is that the goal? I mean, the low key goal was it actually got adults to watch it because the adults were there for like the entertainment value. It really wasn't for kids. It was for the adults disguised as for kids. It's like Pixar movies, right? They're for kids, but then there's an emotional thing that the adults cry to. And they're like, no, don't kill Woody. You know, stuff like that. Wow. Spoiler alert here on the Flowtrack podcast. At the end, apologies to everybody who hasn't seen that movie yet. We'll leave it there. We'll be back Friday. Sorry about Gordon right there. Let's play this. Let's play this music. Alon, let's get out of here before Gordon ruins any more classics. Thank you to Alon, by the way, for producing. Thanks, everybody, for listening. Check out the YouTube page, flowtrackpodcast.gmail.com. Later. Like and subscribe.